Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we're taking a look at Anyone But You, the new rom-com from Easy A director Will Gluck. You remember Easy A movie, that Andy that put old, uh, old Emma Stone on the map. Uh, we're also going to take a look at Society of the Snow on Netflix. I feel like this one has gone under the radar, which is fitting considering the subject matter. It's actually kind of a cool feature. I'm really excited to talk about it. Stick around for the review. We're going to talk about some trailers, some things coming out that you're going to want to keep keep an eye on in 2024. Trailers are dropping every day now. We got four hot ones we want to look at, things that are worth talking about. We're going to show you what those are. We're going to review them, tell you if we think they're worth your time. Before we get to all that, we need to talk about the news. Our first story this week, Andy, Christopher Nolan's Tenet is coming back to theaters. I don't believe it. How appropriate for Tenet to come back around, right? Like, you just can't. It's like a loop almost. Boy. Yeah, it's it's uh, coming back at us, you know, from it, the future. Yeah, it sure is. Fans of the show remember when we covered Tenet during the pandemic. Uh, hotly debated whether or not Tenet should have come out in theaters then. Chris Nolan was not really pleased with the performance of how it did, I think. It, it affected his relationship with Warner Brothers. He ended up going to Universal to make Oppenheimer. Now, Tenet is coming back. Andy, uh... This is a good move, right? Like low-key. Right. So this is actually part of the content drought that we are squarely in uh, due to the labor strikes from last, I almost said last semester, last year. Uh, we knew that there was going to be a lot of content delays and that theaters and TV were going to be short uh, for things to put out. And so what a lot of theaters are doing is putting out old stuff uh, that you might want to catch uh, again in theater, a tried and true method, but also uh, Chris Nolan is really hot right now with the success of Oppenheimer. Bit large format things like IMAX are uh, are kind of uh, just more popular now as well. So, so it makes sense to bring this back into theaters. It is a trip as somebody who enjoyed Tenet, even though it is weird. All right. I'll admit it's definitely odd. Uh, I'm looking forward to, I think, catching it again if I can in the biggest format possible, which is where it's going. It's going to IMAX theaters, just like where Oppenheimer had its runaway success. And more importantly, 70 millimeter film for you, uh, for you film heads out there. That means like very high resolution, very crisp image. If you can catch it in 70 millimeter IMAX, where we saw Oppenheimer. Oh my God. Uh, it is the best. It's the best possible possible way to do it it is the highest possible it's the highest resolution way to see the film it is the way chris nolan says he intends so if you have the means you can check out the movie's website uh not that this is a sponsored thing or anything because it's not but i've been looking at it myself to get tickets tenantfilm.com is it they just spun up the same website again it's got the 70 millimeter and imax thing down there you can find showtimes uh for some reason i haven't been able to get them at cinemark around here i don't know why but keep an eye out i know amc's got tickets and yeah so if you can catch uh tenant theaters and go back and check out our review of when we covered tenant during the pandemic it was a whole thing we talked about it a lot uh our next story this week uh out of theaters into streamers netflix fully expects to phase out their cheapest no ads plan uh this is a bummer right um because some of us don't like watching ads on netflix and we don't like the idea of either having to pick between a more expensive plan or advertisements um i know amazon's kind of doing something similar right with their ads recently uh what's 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 going on andy so it turns out that the ad tiers of all these streaming services is actually really popular because they're a lot cheaper they're generally like ten dollars or less um for the ad supported tier so if you don't mind having some ads in your your things it's cheaper for the household um and the streamers get more money overall because they get advertising dollars as well as subscriber money and this has been huge for next netflix they've it accounts for 40 percent of all signups they've just been growing more and more because of these ad tiers and if you don't if you want zero ads you're gonna have to pay a pretty hefty sum i think it's uh, almost twenty dollars a month now to have the ad tier plan. And they had kind of a middle tier. If you had signed up a couple of years ago where you could get, it was like 11 or $12 to not have any ads. And that's what they're doing away with. Cause it's the ad supported things, just more popular, more profitable. I feel like I need a big, like, detectives cork board with like red string where i could like connect all of the netflix plans because i cannot keep up with how the packages work now and what's available uh I, I like honestly it's difficult for me to keep up with most of them 
And it seems like Netflix, at least in this way, is is streamlining that a little, right? Like reduce that number of options, get everybody kind of in the same place. Personally, I don't like watching ads with my streaming stuff. I've been spoiled. I've been spoiled by no ads culture. I can't help it. I feel like an old man shouting at clouds. Um, but Netflix has always been doing things kind of their way. And for what it's worth, following the money makes sense. It's not cheap to run a streaming service. If you make more money running ads on stuff, then I guess that's the way to do it, even if maybe people don't love that. People don't like being limited by choice, right? Um, something kind of con- con- congruous to this, not really the same story, but something I saw earlier that I just wanted to report on this week uh, regarding Netflix's film chief uh, leaving the company, Scott Stuber. Hollywood Reporter reported on this, so I'll keep it tight. But I just wanted to... I've always been perplexed by Netflix's film strategy, um, not really putting stuff in theaters, putting stuff straight to streaming, and they make like 100 movies a year. Uh, Scott Stuber is apparently the guy that headed up all that. He's been at Netflix for seven years. He is leaving. And what's interesting is him leaving has cited a bunch of questions. Hey, is Netflix going to start putting things in theaters now? Are we going to get Ryan Johnson's next Knives Out movie in theaters? Or, or are they going to make a uh, higher budget, more... more, more uh, specific concept stuff rather than like scattershot and it seems like from all we can find out it's pretty much ted netflix ceo ted sarandos who decided all of these things uh ted sarandos is the reason that films don't go to theaters ted sarandos is the movie is the reason that they make so many movies and they're all getting better but like yeah (laughs) like just pretty pretty lowbrow apparently this is like his whole thing he loves this he specifically is like we are not putting films in theaters it's part of the reason stuber is leaving the company so netflix isn't going to change i guess as far as film goes and i think when it comes to pricing they're just going to keep marching forward man they're going to go to the beat of their own drum yeah uh what the other streamers are are doing like apple uh they're not just they don't want to just have a service. They want to be more influential in like the Hollywood space. They want to be known as like Universal or Paramount or Warner Brothers. They want to be a respected studio known for like quality films. And so that's why they're Apple is doing the theatrical to then streaming model. But Netflix doesn't want to do that. And I don't know. It's one of those things that, that they're hurting their own kind of like Hollywood capital by not putting things in theaters. Yeah, they really are. It's actually funny you mentioned Apple. Hollywood Reporter here uh, was clear to mention that uh, Netflix also has never won a Best Picture Oscar, which is obviously a big prize, whereas Apple hit it first try with Coda in 2021. Um, there you go. That's uh, yeah, well, well <laughs> that's fine. Not, not for Co- not for Coda, but for Netflix right. spend, has spent so much money on pre- on prestige films to try and win the best picture Oscar and they have yet yet to do it and they have such deep pockets and so does Apple but they didn't Apple didn't have to push near as hard as Netflix has no um keep it here on off script for more on what Netflix is doing a couple of fun announcements regarding some casting first off uh Dakota Johnson and Madam Webb seems to be on a PR tear to distance herself from any creative decisions in this movie and I think it's hilarious. Uh, she said it was absolutely psychotic to film Madam Web with blue screen. And she, quote, doesn't know if this is going to be good at all. This is incredible. Andy, it's so rare an actor or actress breaks free of the bounds of, of good public relations and, and marketing and just says how they feel, which is, boy, I don't know what's happening in Madam Web. What do you think of this? Yeah, normally a star would be promoting, I uh, hope, you know, their this the film that they're the lead in like she is in madam web um but yeah i mean it doesn't look like a great film we know sony marvel is uh, kind of a b tier when it comes to their superhero stuff but they are like the venom movies have been really successful this looks kind of cheesy but i, I think it could like meme its way to to success because it's just it it doesn't have a lot of competition. It's still kind of in that superhero genre. People might just come out to see the the car wreck, but she's definitely Dakota Johnson trying to get away from it. She uh yes yeah, talked about like all we did was film on blue screens. I have no idea what I'm doing half the time. Where oh, you know get, show up on screen seven. Uh, it's that whole bit. Um, and yeah, she then she left her talent agency uh, after. Uh, I think the trailer dropped or or something. Uh, it seems like she's not real happy with having picked. Uh, this project. 
Yeah, she said all this in in an uh, interview with Entertainment Weekly, by the way, which is where you're supposed to be promoting films. And for what it's worth, it comes off innocent enough in the way that she's like, I've never worked on a big CGI feature like this. I don't know how they're going to fill it in. Just like Andy said, it's a lot like how Christian Bale was with the new Thor. He was like, I didn't know what I was doing. I just said the lines they said, and they seemed to tell me it was good enough. So I can appreciate her at least like, staying away from the the bad optics of intentionally bombing your own movie. But I think we can read between the lines here. Dakota Johnson is somebody who's particularly dedicated to her craft, at least in what I've seen. Just not long ago, I rewatched uh, Luca Guadagnino's Suspiria. She's leading that. She trained for months to do those dances. Her and Mia Goth did them together for like four months or something. Like they specifically trained. They got to be super good friends. They still are reportedly like, cause she's a supporting actress in that movie, like months and months and months of work to play the lead in Suspiria. And then she like shows up to, <laughs> to the Madam web set, having no idea what's going on and going to go into uh, interviews. Like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it'll be good. Um, I think it's very obvious. She's looking for a change. I bet she doesn't do many more, features like this one i think she'll probably pivot into indie right or something something more low-key after this i, I, I we'll hope s- well it, it's difficult for an actor because you know the, the superhero thing pays pretty well if you can be a regular and it can be a return thing but you know no one really wants to hop on the marvel train and dc is just getting started so it's uh it, it's an interesting place as an actor because it yeah. used to be that you would you would you would eat well for a while if you were a part of the marvel train or some other like superhero property but now it's it's a little more more shaky well you it's funny you make a good point like they they option these things for like multi-picture deals i bet if madam web does even remotely good overseas along with a bit of domestic performance here she'll be back yeah they'll do madam web too she's probably she's probably optioned for it so i mean you know we'll see what (laughs) see what happens uh good for her though speaking her mind one more story uh, before we get to anyone but you supergirl has been found james gunn has his superman counterpart uh who is it andy who 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 are we looking forward to here so if you're a fan of uh Game of Thrones and uh, House of the Dragon, none other than uh, Miss Millie Alcock, who played uh, Rhaenyra Targaryen, uh, the young version of that character. In House of the Dragon, she's been selected after an intense uh, auditioning process to play Supergirl in the Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow film that uh, they're in the middle of pre-production. One of the things I thought was interesting about this, I have not watched... House of the Dragon, I'm aware. It's incredible. Just, you know, come on. There's a lot of good TV out there. Give me a break. We do a movie podcast. Uh, I, I don't have much to say about Millie Alcock, but one of the things I did think was interesting is apparently Gunn was flying actresses out to set uh, and having them screen test uh, in physical costume, which is not something that happens a lot oh, anymore. Nice. Especially for comic book films, like this is this is reportedly very unorthodox. Because we used to see this, right? There's that old clip of God, what Nick Cage, like getting dressed up for Tim Burton's Superman. You know, like show up, get in the suit. We want to see what you look like. Apparently, Millie Alcock won. So whatever's working there must be working really well because she had to already had to already appear functionally as the character behind closed doors to make it work. I don't know. Sounds sounds like it might work. Yeah, I, I'm excited about the, this feature, uh, The Woman of Tomorrow uh, story arc, which is seven issues, I, I believe, seven, eight issues, uh, is really great. Just came out a couple of years ago. So I like that they're choosing for more recent comics and not looking 50 years back. Um, and, you know, it also tells us that they're not looking for a certain look, like they're not looking for someone who looks good in the costume. They're looking for a proper actor that can play the, the character that they, they've written so that hopefully means that, that we have some good character writing and that you want someone who's going to bring presence, not just like look good in the costume and in, in the poses where they're, they're flying, flying around. And like I said, I've said this before, Supergirl is, is like a teenager, essentially very angry. She's got anger issues. Like that, it could be some heat when we see it on screen. Hmm. I was going to say, it's it's interesting casting, given where uh, DC currently is. Obviously, you've got David Quarrensweat as Superman. I know we have our Lois Lane, uh, Marvelous Miss Maisel, right? I forget her name. Uh, she's tremendous in that Brosnahan. show. Brosnahan. Yeah, Rachel, right? Yeah, she's great. 
Um, I was going to say somebody they may maybe might have considered looking at was our girl Sydney Sweeney, right? I know she's doing Madam Web, but also, more importantly, to get to our review, uh, she is in this new rom-com, Anyone But You, opposite Glenn Powell uh, from Top Gun Maverick. Uh, excited to talk about this one. Didn't expect to watch it. Just kind of worked out that way. All right. Love was in the air this week. We thought, why not have a rom-com on the show? And it's worth mentioning that although we do a lot of movie, movie reviews and we are big purveyors of bold cinema, we are not against the occasional rom-com rom-coms are chill and they're kind of their own thing it's like a musical right like it's airy and light and fun some some say it's vapid others say it's delightful we're gonna find out what anyone but you is in just a second when i jump into it so please excuse my clumsy review uh the movie is anyone but you so anyone but you is a shakespeare adaptation you may not have known uh, from director will gluck a director of easy a starring emma stone and uh, friends with benefits starring justin timberlake and mila kunis anyone but you takes place in australia down under i can't do an accent i'm sorry uh, it stars glenn powell from top gun maverick and sydney sweeney uh, most recently of euphoria and she was in reality on hbo anyway the two of these people are star-crossed lovers, all right? They have one exciting night uh, where they meet at a bar uh, downtown in New York, I think, in the States, some city, uh, and and uh, they hit it off, things go great, but then the next morning, uh, something doesn't work out. There's a misconnection, right? And the two of them go their separate ways. Well, six months later, they meet again when one's best friend and the other's sister are getting married in a destination wedding in Australia. They both go out, and oh my God, he Here's the person I can't stand. And everybody at the wedding knows it, right? Like this family knows and that family knows that these two can't stand each other. So they hatch a plan to get the two of them together. They're, they're, they're going to they're try to coordinate and maybe whisper through the bushes and one will overhear one thing and through the grapevine you'll hear another thing. But these two hatch a plan of their own to get away from everybody, all right? And to not distract from the wedding, they decide to pull the ultimate distraction and act like a couple. That is the bit, right? If you've seen the trailers, it looks like a lot of sun and sunshine and people laughing and having fun. I think Glenn Powell takes his clothes off at one point. The movie is anyone but you. Andy, uh, what did you think? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. This uh, this is a lot of fun. There's a, a lot of laughs. I wasn't sure how funny it would be, but uh, like the opening scene already has a couple of good gags. Laughing from the beginning, it's got a lot of jokes. Um, and, and it again, it's it's a Shakespeare adaptation, so you get a couple of these ridiculous scenes where characters are talking very loudly, so other characters were, will uh, overhear them. But you know, it's it's tongue in cheek. It's another one of these on-location uh, rom-coms. Actually, you just recently rewatched uh, being uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall, uh, which is also non-location rom-com in that takes place in Hawaii. So we kind of get that the Sydney, uh, not Sydney, Australia is, is the backdrop. We get some iconic, uh, like we see the Sydney Opera House and uh, those kinds of landmarks. Uh, Glenn Powell and Sydney Sweeney have a lot of great chemistry. Uh, they're a lot of a lot of fun they're in great physical shape like the physiques in hollywood just keep getting like more and more ridiculous um i think powell's on the juice but that's <laughs> that's neither here nor there Ooh, uh, but think? it's it's it, yeah but it anyways okay. no it, it, it's it's a lot of fun a lot of great laughs and this has been really successful it's made 125 million dollars on a 25 million dollar budget um still in theater still making money and it's uh, a good return of the rom-com which haven't haven't really done very well in the last few years I think the thing that works the best about anyone but you is going to be when our two characters are like biting at each other. You see it a lot in the trailer, but like functionally, it's what works. The uh, the two of them are very good at throwing insults at each other real fast. One liners There's a couple of great, great yeah. conversations they have in the first act where they are just throwing barbs one after another. Boom, 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 boom. And I think that's where the movie has probably the best energy. And then, of course, in your third act, when you will they or won't they right? like you hope that your rom-com leads will get it together and that the family will work out and there won't be any disasters at the destination wedding, right? Like, I, I think 
in its worst moments for me, I think anyone but you feels a little stereotypical. But like in its best moments, like that's kind of a good thing, you know. I like God, we're we're through Oscar season, and I'm so used to watching big bold cinema and three and a half hour epics in Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon or something wild like Anatomy of a Fall. That like it's really nice to watch something that's like uniquely down to earth, right? Even though it's obviously big and bold in its uh, romantic visions, uh, it is a Shakespeare adaptation. And much ado about nothing. I did not put that together till the end. Sorry. I guess I'm a dumb rom-com viewer. I knew there was something going on and I, I realized the theme pretty quickly of people like whispering to one another and, and telling lies. And I thought, man, they should have called loudly, this movie. Like, yeah. yeah. They should have called this movie rumor has it or something. Anyone but you is a forgettable title, but it's fine. Uh, then we get to the end and I'm like, ah, yes. I, the, the denouement. It's, it's Midsummer Night's Dream. Andy, uh, Shakespeare adaptation any hot takes on how it came together? I mean, really, it's just loose framework for what the movie's really supposed to be, which is these two getting it together in, uh, in Australia. Yeah, we, we have a lot of our classic tropes, a, a lot of misunderstandings, a lot of people seeing things uh, out of context or hearing things out, out of context. But, you know, it's it's formulaic, but it it's about the the like the jokes and the performances uh, it's, I mean, it's really funny. I was in uh, like a half full theater and everyone was laughing. Uh, just a lot of really good jokes and uh, updated as well. The supporting cast is, is really great. You have um, Dermot Mulroney showing up as as the father. Um, just a really great supporting cast. And they're going to, uh, they're in Australia for their, one of their friends uh, and or sister's uh, wedding um which is they're in on it too so that again you have a fabulous destination wedding i was just glad that they were actually in australia and weren't just on green screens or that that sort of thing um you know it's 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 funny it's nice to see that kind of production it's funny you say that Uh, regarding supporting cast i also wanted to mention gata of course gata gata needs his gat um i didn't expect gata to be in this show but he is he's in the fx movie he's in the fx show dave as like dave's friend and i've never seen him in anything else so when he showed up in this i was like oh it's gata from dave and then the credits rolled and i was like oh his name really is gata i thought that was his character name (laughs) it's not gata needs his gat uh regarding the look of this movie really odd Really odd. No, nobody's going to care about this at all. This movie's shot in a great aspect ratio. It's real wide, real wide. Uh, there's shots in this movie where they'll have an entire tennis court laid out like diagonal in frame with the camera like pretty close, like real wide aspect, big bars on the top and bottom. And that gives you really good landscape. And more importantly, it gives you a lot to frame with. So you'll have a couple characters whispering in the background, blurry out of frame, like to the right. And then you'll have your two leads up on the left talking up close like towards the front of the frame like you'll have a bit of like they'll be hanging out on a sailboat talking there'll be like a couple sailboats in the background in the sydney opera house like understated and small but really if you go see this movie in theaters like keep an eye on how wide the frame is like they they somebody genuinely decided somewhere along the way hey we want to show as much as we can in this so we can have a little bit of fun like where we're placing and blocking uh, and it works like I, it's small. I, I don't know why I noticed that, but I was like, hey, man, somebody really took the time to notice this. So I, I would probably go to cinematographer. I don't know their name. I'll tell you in just a second <laughs> when I find it. Um, Again, our, our two leads are great. Uh, Glenn Powell is just so charismatic. I feel like he he's almost like he's got a, a little bit of a Ryan Reynolds thing going on. Like he's just got like this quick wit and charm and um. Yeah, he's just a great on-screen presence. We we of course saw that in Top Gun Maverick. I think that's what the first time I like really noticed um, him him as an actor, and he's been doing great things since then. Mm. Uh, cinematographer was Danny Ruhlman, who shot uh, Foundation for Apple Plus and uh, Sense Eight on Netflix with the Wachowski siblings. Right, they did Sense Eight. Um, yeah, Glenn Powell's yeah. a delight. And you're kind of right with the Ryan Reynolds thing. Like, it's like he's too smart for the room. Or he's got that, like, sharp, biting wit that Reynolds has. Like, same kind of gag. Uh, if anything, he might he might end up playing playing heels more than heroes, right? Like, I know in Maverick, he plays... Top Gun Maverick, he plays Hangman. Um, I think he's slated to be in the next one, too. So, I, I mean, he's he's bolted in there pretty good, barring anything going wrong, or him getting goosed in Top Gun 3. Uh, meanwhile, oh Sydney Sweeney's Don't yeah, say no, it. Uh, right? <laughs> yeah, doesn't doesn't take long to think about that. Meanwhile, Sydney Sweeney is uh, a lot of fun. Uh, she's simple and and understated. Not what I expected. I didn't. I haven't watched Euphoria, 
And in reality, she is a wholly different character in person. I, sorry, reality. Reality, the HBO project. I don't mean like actual, uh, you know. About re- sure reality winner. Person too. Yeah, she's an actress. But um, I guess like when I saw that, I thought, okay, yeah, this is somebody who's, who's, who's really smart. She's playing it understated. She's playing it quiet. She's playing it small. This is the exact opposite character. Big, brash, bold, says what she does, says what, she, says what's on her mind, uh, uh, doesn't really want to be like just a whole thing like and i think that's a good thing because it gives your characters a bit more dimension than just being like vapid rom-com characters right like there are scenes in this that are a little bit plain but also like you get some developments that are interesting like these the the, the supporting cast of the family trying to push our characters in one direction while they're implicitly running the opposite there's one point where uh, sydney sweeney's uh, ex shows up to the party at the stay via her parents giving him a call that's <laughs> the whole thing like just some pleasant bumps in the road they give it more than just being like a will they won't they destination 90 minute rom-com like and that's that's nice man i think it's good i think it shows a little bit of growth in the industry it's not it's not just so plain jane it's something different and i don't know but it's also you know heartwarmingly plain jane like any good rom-com yeah it's it's a lot of fun i think i'm ready for recommendations lots of fun also uh good Good soundtrack playlist, surprisingly. Decent stuff. Mac Miller, peace. Uh, Andy, would you recommend anyone but you? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a lot of fun. It's a great date movie. It's just, it's really funny. It's been very successful. It'll be interesting to see if we kind of see some more rom-coms come out after this or if, uh, you know, Glenn Powell and Sydney Sweeney do, do work together more. They have a lot of on-screen chemistry. It's a lot of fun. It's really funny. There's lots of laughs. It follows, you know, some some tropes that we love in this genre and uh, highly recommend. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. Anyone but you, like I said, is not big, bold cinema. It's not anything you haven't seen before, but it's unique, like in, in the way that it doesn't, it, it just feels like a movie that I haven't seen in a long time. Like it, it, it reminds me of watching older rom-coms from back in the day, but feels fresh. I don't know, man. I thought anyone but you was not bad. Yeah, I think it's a good time if you can catch it in a theater. It seems like it's got legs. It's it's going to keep doing well, keep turning a profit. So I don't know if they're going to make an anyone but you too. But for what's here, um, not too shabby. I'm glad we watched it. Just a, just a good palate cleanser. Good good kind of movie you can just throw on. You don't think too much about it. Like, looks good. Bunny script. Not too shabby. Anyway, we should move on uh, to our next segment of the episode. I'm still kind of putting this together on the background, Andy. I'm still getting these trailers up. Uh, But in the meantime, can you tell folks uh, what we're getting into? Can you start us off with our first one? Yep, it's time for the trailer park. Uh, We're going to be getting with Roadhouse, which is a remake of the 1980-something classic with uh, Patrick Swayze. Uh, about a, a bouncer who goes to uh, kind of settle a, w- a wild bar and uh, also find love out there. The, this remake uh, stars Jake Gyllenhaal as the the titular kind of bouncer. I forget his character's name, Dalton. Um, and in this in this iteration, he's an MMA fighter. And uh, if you've seen pictures of Jake Gyllenhaal, he's like absolutely shredded for this role. Uh, comes out to the this bar in like the Florida Keys or something, and has to you know stop the rabble rousing. Uh, Conor McGregor, the the MMA fighter, is also in this movie, and he's kind of ridiculous because like he he just needs to kind of be himself, and he's trying to be this really weird over the top character that it kind of doesn't work, but I'm sure it'll be fun. Also stars Daniela Melchior. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is really upset about this because this movie was supposed to have a theatrical release and then Amazon decided it was just going to go straight to streaming and him and the director are kind of boycotting it. Yeah, uh, the the PR on this, like Madam Web, has been very funny. But outside of that, movie looks fine. I, if anything, I've I am looking forward to a fresh take on I don't know something like a big brawl movie. Like I haven't seen one of those in a minute. I guess John Wick kinda. There's a lot more guns and a lot more explosions. I think this will be just a whole lot more fist fighting, and like that's kind of fun. Um, but one of the things I thought was really funny was film twitter roasting jake gyllenhaal for making a movie where he's just like a meathead i haven't even people haven't even seen it yet and they're like oh why can't you be the freak from nightcrawl <laughs> like can you please be detective loki from prisoners again you know like why 
Well, he, he's done all these. Yeah, he, he's done all these heavy acting jobs, so it, it feels weird for him to like go into uh, like a more. Like, yeah. You know, something Ew. that you would see the Jack Reacher guy do. Yeah, why Why know? do you have a six-pack? Why can't you do some weird psychological stuff? Like, it's so funny. Anyway, uh, Roadhouse looks all right. That'll be coming March 21st from Amazon. Our next film to talk about, oh, man, I got the easy one, Agro Drift. Uh, we got to talk about Agro Drift, and I can't play the trailer because we'll get copyrighted, but I can show you images of it. Agro Drift is Harmony Kareen's new feature. Uh, it's produced in conjunction with Travis Scott, the rapper who's also starring. Uh, I know this film is premiering at an L. Los Angeles strip club, if I heard correctly. And we have finally have a so trailer. So bizarre. Most, most importantly, and this is the bit I haven't told you, the entire thing shot in infrared. If you have seen or heard about Agro Drift, you probably have seen this alongside it. The whole film shot in infrared. We know it's an action feature that's got guns and explosions and Travis Scott's in it. That's about all I know. Wow. What a trailer, Andy. Any hot takes? Uh, I mean, it gives me a headache almost looking at it. Like the colors is it's t- it's too much. It's it's like the uh, the movie where the guy's just in first person the entire time. The a- action one, I can't remember the name of it, but like uh, the, hardcore the, the Henry, gi- yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, the gimmick you can only do that for like a short scene. It's good for like two three minutes. Um, it's hard to watch an entire feature in one like kind of extreme style. So this infrared thing is just it's weird. And it's only like an hour long feature. It's not a full like 90 minutes even. So it's a weird time. I wouldn't mind watching part of it, but, but it just seems kind of a chore. I, it doesn't seem uh, v- very interesting. And it's about like an assassin who has to go fight another assassin or, or something. It's a bizarre storyline too. So yeah, I don't know what to think. It's, it's worth checking out the trailer, but I don't know if I would want to actually see the movie. Yeah, like I'm more interested in how it's made than what it is. And like, especially because the subject matter just seems really thin based on where it's premiering. I just don't have, I don't know. I know Harmony Kareen does some weird stuff from Spring Breakers and Gummo. And most importantly, like there's definitely some CGI in here. So it's not exactly just infrared. It's been enhanced and it's been tweaked and colored and changed. And like in that way, like I'm interested in what the movie is, but like I'm, probably not gonna go out of my way to catch this i don't think uh uh zone of interest fans know what the real infrared secret is and like y'all out there have seen what's possible uh i don't know if aggro drifts it but what's next sandy um monkey man which is uh the directorial debut from dev patel um who of course started in the green knight and uh a bunch of other films big actor right now uh and this is produced and kind of endorsed by jordan peele's uh monkey paw productions uh this movie looks really awesome it it looks like kind of indian john wick it looks like john wick's set in, in mumbai with uh dev patel who's apparently like some sort of like martial arts expert which i had no no idea about and he's been trying to get into action roles because he's he's like a black belt in something and uh he he won't get cast in them so he's just kind of made a movie himself where he is that um kind of john wick style uh person and it's it's a very generic storyline of like you know there, there's corruption here he's wronged he's got to fight his way to the the top uh but the action looks looks really awesome and over the top yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, Deb Patel is fantastic. He was fantastic in David Lauer's Green Knight. He's been fantastic in previous work. The kid does not get enough of it, apparently, so he's decided to do it himself. I, you might have also seen uh, the side story. Andy mentioned it. Uh, originally, this movie was going to be produced with Netflix, uh, and Jordan Peele saw it and liked it enough and said, no, 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 Universal should pick this up. So now they're running it and it's running theatrically and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Like I said, I'm excited to get out and support my boy. Deb Patel was my big pick for James Bond for a minute. He still kind of is, but he he won't be James Bond, which is a shame. But, uh, you know, I I don't know. I think he could have been it before they decided, hey, it should be somebody who's like five years younger than he is. Kid's got talent and clearly he's got action chops. Like, why not? Why not? Dude, I'll totally go see Monkey Man. Monkey Man looks rad. Uh, one more trailer to talk about before we get to Society of the Snow. Uh, Ghostbusters Frozen Empire has an official trailer. Uh, Andy, did you see the last Ghostbusters movie? I guess we watched it for the show, right? Yes, we, we reviewed it on this very show. 
It's still baffling that we have to say the last Ghostbusters movie as if there's like a large series because at this point there kind of is, right? Outside of the original 84 feature, like we've had a lot of progress. Ghost heads rise up. Like we've had a lot of progress. Uh, Besides the second feature, there have been television series, Kenner toys, posters, collectibles, games. We had a 2016 feature that we don't really talk about. Uh, And then they had Ghostbusters... Answer the call. I can't even tell you what the last one was called, but it came out just a couple years ago with the kid from Stranger Things and McKenna Grace and uh, uh, God, a couple other people. Uh, you know, it's it's Ghostbusters. There's more Ghostbusters, and now Ghostbusters returning to New York, returning to the firehouse, and all those characters in the previous one are back, along with all the old Ghostbusters coming out of retirement again for the for the third time, like to to to, to make more. Ghostbusters stuff. Andy, this looks so different than old Ghostbusters, and it makes me feel like an old man saying that. But, These poor uh, old men it has having just, to come out it, of retirement to play <laughs> characters they played 40 years ago. It's um, just so... Yeah, go ahead. I don't, I don't know if they... I mean, they're probably happy to have a paycheck and still be acting into their 70s, but it's 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 the same problem that we saw that it arises from The Force Awakens, where... You want to have the best of both worlds. You want to have the the star power of your legacy characters, and you also want to try and pass the baton onto a younger generation. You end up not doing either one. Like I would rather just have a movie with just the older Ghostbusters or just the newer Ghostbusters instead of this kind of mix. Because what you're going to get is a movie with way too many characters. You're going to have ten people in Ghostbusting suits, which is like now it's like a football team. Uh, the the effects don't look good. It's this, you know, frozen, uh, some sort of f- freezing monster that freezes people and things like this. The special effects are just, uh, it just doesn't look good. And uh, Hollywood's got to find a way to pass the baton because you, you can't keep the series going if you don't. Like uh, the Matrix Revolu- uh, Resurrections has the same problem. It's like you, you get Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss, but then you, no one cares about who the new characters are, and you can't really pass the baton to them. And uh, this looks really bad to me. I think it's going to bomb. <laughs> it's you know, and it's harrowing a little because Jason Reitman's not involved, right? Like the last film, Jason Reitman did. Ivan Reitman, his dad, functionally co-directed it. He was the one who had written and directed the originals with Dan Aykroyd. Like there was a bit of something to it. Reitman totally ducked on this. He was like, nope. Not doing this. I'm out. It's been real. Ghostbusters was a lot of fun. A lot of that creative vision from the last one came from him. This kind of picks up where it left off, but it also looks like a script penned by like Dan Aykroyd and his Crystal Head Vodka era. You know what I mean? Like UFOs did 9-11 kind of stuff. Um, oh so I don't know. I, I don't know. Like I, I guess I, I thought that first teaser was fine. And then I saw this and I was like, oh, no. But uh, good news, if you haven't seen it, uh, we will see it again in theaters uh, in front of probably every other film you see between now and when it comes out. Uh, no release date yet. I March, think. March, 22nd March 22nd is what I see. Excuse me. Yes. Thank you, YouTube. Uh, those are four things worth, th- worth thinking about. Four things worth watching. Obviously, there's other trailers. We can't cover them all in the show. But next time we do the trailer park, uh, you know, we want to make sure we get to whatever you're interested in. So if you like what we're talking about here, you can write into the show and, uh, you know, tell, tell, tell us what trailers are we're taking a look at or what you think of these. Anyway, didn't mean to plug writing into the show. We should talk about Society of the Snow. Andy's taking the summary for it. Andy, please uh, take it away. Society of the Snow. So this is uh, a new drama directed by J.A. Bayona, who previously did Jurassic World and The Impossible, major Hollywood director, and it's done a little bit smaller film. Uh, this is based on the book by Pablo Vierci and is uh, about the story of the... And I always I used to get this detail wrong constantly. It was I kept saying it was a Chilean soccer team, a rugby team from Uruguay uh, that crashed in the Andes Mountains, mountains October 1972, and survived kind of miraculously for two months uh, in the the snow. They had to survive incredible hardships, weather, starvation, uh, disease, and a lot of them did not survive, but uh, 15, 16 of them did survive for two months and just about walked out of the mountains. And uh, this story has been made into film and other series multiple times. Uh, It was last made in 1994's Alive, uh, which starred uh, none other than Ethan Hawke, um, which is a great depiction of this. In this version, we we have an all-Spanish cast, so it's in the original language of of the people involved. 
the story is uh, the team is flying from Montevideo to Santiago. Uh, during the flight, the pilot makes an error, um, clips a mountain, and the plane goes careening down very close to the Chilean side, but still up in the mountains. Um, of the 45 passengers on board, 15 are immediately killed in the initial crash. A lot are, are injured uh, after the, the plane touches down. Uh, from there, they have to then try and survive uh, the extreme cold, uh, soon starvation. Uh, they send rescue teams, but uh, they're just not able to see them because you have a white plane in the white mountains and planes fly super high, so they can't really look very clearly. Uh, and it's a, this incredible survival story um, th that's got some really intense moments we'll get into. But uh, that that's the, our basic layout. Zach, what do you think? Well, Society of the Snow is cool, man. Like, Society of the Snow is, is pretty bold for Netflix. Like, I know they produce a lot of films every year. Um, but for what it's worth, like, two and a half hour foreign language feature on the front page, like, doesn't happen often. And I think a lot of people overlook it for that, right? Like, I think they see it. They don't think a lot of Society of the Snow. That's what I'm looking for. Um, I'm glad we're talking about it here. Like, I'm, I'm glad we have the opportunity to, to spend a little time platforming it because I think it's really neat. I think Jay Bayona has done something kind of tremendous here. Um, and I didn't expect it. Like, I, I was in the same boat when I started. I was like, whoa, okay, this looks a little long. Subject matter looks tough. Boy, I, I don't know if I'm going to be in this the whole way. And I can tell you, like, miraculously, you are. I don't know how I, I like on paper, you, you tell me what the story is. You say what, what time period you want to cover. Oh, the crash. And then ha half the people don't make it. And then, oh, they're going to land. And then they're going to be down there for and what I didn't know when I started the movie was an inordinate amount of time. I wasn't even sure if they were going to make it out. So to me, not knowing the story, not having seen a live, like just going in like anybody else on Netflix, like, yeah, okay. I heard something about this. I'll check it out. Um, I can tell you that, like, I think it was a good experience. That being said, it's harrowing, man. It looks so cold on that mountain. I don't know who, the, who did the coloring for this film. Oh, my God, it looks cold. I know it caught a, an Oscar nom for, like, hair and makeup because these guys are slowly getting more frostbitten. Like, it looks so miserable up there. And, like, that's movie magic. Even if it's the kind that's kind of ugly and you don't want to look at because it's scary and, and, and real, and it's like, oh, no. Like, it's truly, like, a, a, the magic of, of cinema that, like, this can be presented in this way that feels so convincing. And, like, Society of the Snow is really neat. Really neat. And, and like, I really liked it, and I'm glad we watched it. Uh, I, if anything, I wish I could have watched it in a theater. Boy, it probably would have looked yeah, great absolutely. on the big screen. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it would have been tough to to sit through in a theater, honestly. Uh, one of the infamous parts of this story is the plane crash because it's the rare time where a plane crashed and a lot of people survived so they can could talk about it. Uh, but briefly, there was a pilot error where he thought he was flying over the mountains at a little bit where there was a, a lower spot, but the but he was had misnavigated and uh, there was cloud cover they couldn't really see. At the last minute, they realize they're too close, um, but they end up clipping the mountains. It shears off the tail. People fly out of the plane. The wings get sheared off. The fuselage uh, kind of lands, doesn't crash, but it lands on uh, in the giant of this big like glacier bowl uh, and slides down this mountain at 200 miles an hour and eventually slams into a snowbank, uh, throwing everyone in the plane f forward. It, it's so harrowing, and... I, it's amazing to think anyone could survive the, these things, uh, but people did. But that was just the beginning of hardships because um, a lot of people were severely injured, broken legs, broken bones, crushed to death or crushed half to death. Uh, there is no food. There is the, the mountains get negative 22 at night, um, but they work hard together to try and stabilize the the injured they they find ways to make themselves wars. They they build up like a big wall in the fuselage to um, keep the snow out. And they just like the these scenes are harrowing. Like that happens fifteen minutes in. Like that's the catalyst of the of the whole thing. Uh, so it throws you right in. There's a couple of other uh, like there's a couple of avalanches they have to deal with. That uh, to me those were the worst scenes because it's so. Uh, it's very claustrophobic. You can't breathe. Like they're snowed in in the plane. People are struggling to get out. It's just, it, it's 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 unbelievable. It's unbelievable that 
anyone survived ha- like a fraction of what they went through. Right. Like on paper, it reads like a bottle script, right? Like you got your core cast. They're in one location. They're not going to leave. That's pretty much what we've got, right? Like for the most of most of your script, your characters are in this valley, in this plain fuselage, doing their thing. Doesn't sound that complicated. Like wrong. Like uh, Jay Biona uh, d- directed The Impossible, right? Uh, in 2012, that covered the uh, Indian Ocean tsunami and the and the fallout of that through the eyes of this family, played by Naomi Watts and Ewan McGregor and a couple of kiddos. Uh, one of which I think went on to do something. Tom big, Holland. Tom Holland. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He was. Yeah. He was in that movie. Yeah. Um, so he's got experience doing this. And like one of the things that makes Society of the Snow work is that it's so remarkably grounded. Like not only does it look cold on that mountain, like it genuinely looks like this is shot outside with no studio shots ever. Like you never, the illusion is never broken that you're like on a set filming with these guys. Like it just looks miserable out there all the time. Uh, and then things start to happen to the set, right? Like Andy said, then an avalanche rolls in and then you have a drastic reorganization of how things are working and where we're shooting. At night, there is no light. We are down to nothing, right? Like as as resources are dwindling, like we have to show the plane and the people getting more torn up in it. And the amount of time that this goes over like is wild it is it is bananas and and Andy and i were talking about just for the show i'm like i don't know if i would would want to go through it right you'd be like god just give me a way out you know like it's so rough and it ends up being this story of like human resilience but at the same time like quite the journey of struggle from a to b to c to get to the end of the feature and like it's 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 really well crafted like it's really well put together like not only in its presentation but in smaller sequences uh have we talked about the crash we got to talk about the crash right right yeah i mean i talked about the crash a lot but what what, what were you going to say about it i was going to say this this crash scene is incredible like it is it is a truly incredible kinetic crash scene where you're you're and like through the sequence of the plane crash you have movement following movement across the frame as the camera is bouncing around like to what these guys are doing like it is it is really really well directed and like otherwise looking at bayona's background like i wouldn't have thought much he did jurassic world fallen kingdom didn't really love that movie i wasn't alone i got a 6.1 on imdb all right give me a break like uh i I, like i wouldn't have thought he would be turning out something that feels so special on netflix of all places right like normally netflix is a little bit their seven-year film chief is leaving because it's not working out like somehow like a spark in the rubble, right? Like something special here. Society of the Snow, I think, is is unique. Yeah, ab- absolutely. It's it's a really harrowing feature. One of the things I wanted to talk about is, so they had no food, and one of the infamous things about this story is that they eventually resorted to having to consume the dead, uh, otherwise known as cannibalism, to survive. And this is a huge kind of philosophical struggle in in the in the movie. No one no one wants to do it at first because they're like, no, that that's terrible. We're desecrating the dead. We're gonna go go to hell. And eventually, you know, just starvation takes over. And they're in the mountains. There are no animals. There's no vegetation. There's nothing to eat. They have a few rations from from the plane that last just a few days. And so there's a big philosophical battle to like, what do we do? And who do we eat and how, to, and it's, it's really incredible because that they, what they end up doing is two people volunteer to kind of butcher the the bodies to provide the meat, but that way other people don't have to see it done or see who know who they're eating. Uh, it's a huge like, part of the, the thing. And it was a big almost scandal when, when that was revealed that that was part of how they had survived, but that's, they wouldn't have survived the two months they, they were up there with, without that. And I remember reading that, uh, the, the two people who eventually were able to climb out and go get help were like, they weighed like a hundred pounds by, by the time they, they got out of there. It was, it's just incredible. Yeah. Like it really is like million to one shot that it happened. And then to follow that up, they anybody made it much less a group of them. Yeah. It's uh really committed to realism, even in its presentation of its actors and actresses. Like the, there's comparison photos you can find online between who they cast and the original like photos of people and like they even look close they have family and friends like work directly with the cast to get as much of it like as uniquely accurate as possible 
which is really specific and interesting. Like it doesn't often happen with features like this. Normally it's like, yeah, ginned up for Hollywood. No, this is kind of the opposite. It's stripped down for Hollywood. Like it's, it's, it's simplified and it's, it's tough and it's challenging, but it also ends up being like, I don't know, really inspiring. Like overall, like a really, a really cool feature that I'm really glad we got to spend time with. Um, and like I said, like it's one that I feel like I would have just blown by. I wouldn't have paid too much attention to. Like I'm glad I took the time with Andy. You ready for recommendations? I am. Andy, would you recommend Society of the Snow? Yeah, absolutely. It's an incredible movie. It's an incredible story of uh, these people that that survived and were able to just band together, work together battle against all odds and survive this incredible uh, situation. A lot of people, a lot of them did not. Only a third of the, the people on the plane survived the entire or, ordeal. It's, you know, it's a sad thing to see. More, more survived the initial crash, but then there were so many between food and injuries and uh, the ele- elements. It was just really difficult, but um, incredibly harrowing feature. Like I said, it's in Spanish, uh, all Spanish uh, cast. Really, enjoy, really enjoyed it. Highly yeah. recommend. Same for me. Would recommend. Like I said, the, the content's a little weird going in. I get it. But like just just in the first like 20 minutes, the movie puts you on rails and won't let go. Like I, I think you should give it a shot. I know it's tough, but like so is watching Titanic, right? And like there's still something redeemable and tremendous about that, even though you know that like there's going to be some troubles along the way. Like I think it's a good time. I, I really do. Society of the Snow's rad. I'm looking forward to what Jay Bayona does next. Hopefully it's not another Jurassic World feature. Andy, what are we watching next week? So we're on break next week because I'm uh, traveling, but uh, we'll be back on February 13th with Argyle. We'll finally find out who Agent R, the real Agent Argyle is, and that's February 2nd. And then Lisa Frankenstein, which is the new Frankenstein musical starring Catherine Newton. That comes out February 9th. And also, we'll be looking forward to some other uh, releases in February, namely Madam Web, which comes out February February 14th, just in time for Valentine's Day. And if you're interested in the uh, Bob Marley biopic, Bob Marley, One Love, that's also coming out in February 14th. If you enjoyed what we're doing on Off Script here on the show today, if you like our news segments, or you liked our Anyone But You review, or you were maybe middling on Trailer Park, or have hot takes on Society of the Snow, any and all of the above, the best way to get a hold of us is to write into the show at mail or offscriptfilmreview.com. Email direct. I know it's easy to comment on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and you can do that too. We'll probably take a look at it. You can even leave a comment over on YouTube. Big things happening on the Offscript YouTube channel. I say it every week. There's big things happening every week. I don't know what to tell you. you got to go check it out. Uh, and of course, you can find the show anywhere you find your audio podcast. You may have been listening to us right now there. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartMedia. We're everywhere. And we're excited to be talking about movies. Episode 250 is coming up. It's going to be big things for episode 250. And Andy, Andy and I got irons in the fire. All right. It's going to be fantastic. So keep an ear out for that. And uh, look forward to our Argyle review in a couple of weeks. I personally can't wait to find out who Asian Argyle is, Andy. I don't know about you. It can't be the cat. <laughs> Surely it can't be the cat. Everybody will be sitting in theaters I'm going to scream if it's the cat. If it's, I hope, I, I, uh, if it's a cab, we just both need to stand up together and walk out in unison, middle of the film. That'll that'll be our review. It was the cat. That'll be it. Uh, and and of course, one more plug. Uh, you can find our website offscriptfilmview.com for all things offscript film review, resources, links, interviews, trailers, stuff, whatever we got going on. Uh, that's where it'll be. So from all of us at Offscript, the home of Bolt Cinema, I'm Zach Lewis, and I'm Dr. Draper. Thanks for watching. <laughs>